0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Even though the Kansas City Royals did not qualify for the 2017 postseason, no shortage of exciting moments for the Royals during the regular season. Joining us right now on this Friday, the 13th, to break it all down, Jeffrey Flanagan, Royals reporter for MLB.com. Jeffrey, uh, we thank you for the time, and uh, what we're going to do today is uh, kind of break down the the top moments of the, the Royals season, whether it was actual moments or full games or what have you. A, a lot of exciting things happening for the Royals in uh, 2017. And uh, just kind of uh, going over the list here, we saw, of course, uh, Mike Moustakis uh, finally toppling the legend of Steve Balboni as it's uh, the Moose who finally has the single-season home run record, uh, sending Balboni from the franchise record books after a long time. And, uh, Jeffrey, this team was a a big-time streak buster in 2017 They not only ended uh, the Indians' 22-game winning streak, also ended the Astros' 11-game winning streak. So uh, they had some big roles uh, in that regard. Saw some great catches by Eric Cosmer. We saw some uh, big grand slams. Salvador Perez at Fenway Park stands out. So just kind of picking your brain a little bit, uh, what stands out to you for whatever reason from this past season?
1: Well, I, I do think that the the breaking the Indians streak was pretty huge and mainly because Mike Minor uh, who had not been a closer before in his career uh, came in that night uh, and he just blown a save the night before the Indians got the, their 22nd straight win and uh, they were kind of out of bodies in the bullpen and suddenly you know Ned turned to to Mike Minor and uh, he came in and got got the save and ended the streak and uh, I think it was interesting to me, too, but just because it would it foreshadows possibly for the future, because uh, once and then he just basically assumed the closers role the rest of the year, and uh, the rest of the bullpen, which had been kind of uh, not in shambles but in trouble in the second half of the year, just suddenly fell in place. Uh, Herrera became a, a solid setup guy, Peter Moylan. So everybody found role the minute uh, Mike Miner took, uh, took the closers role. So that will be interesting going forward. Uh, I certainly think you know. You mentioned some of the home runs, and uh, one of the ones we didn't talk about too was uh, there was a game against the Colorado Rockies when Greg Holland was in town, mm. the first time since uh, he had been a Royal, uh, and very emotional, uh, you know, coming back uh, for him. And Eric Hosmer walked him off in the bottom of the ninth. I think that was one of the absolutely one of the uh, thrilling moments. Uh, of the season and uh, certainly Salvador Perez hitting a grand slam his first career grand slam uh, against the Red Sox it was a getaway day game at Kauffman Stadium and uh, uh, they came back and beat the Red Sox 6-4 so yeah there were certainly some uh, some exciting times.
0: Yeah there certainly was and uh, I want to touch a little more about uh, Mike Boustakis as uh, he breaks Steve Balboni's uh, single season franchise record for home runs and talk about how how big that was for Moose and uh if there was any did anybody hear from you know Steve Bellboni as uh, as Moustakas was pursuing his record because if I'm not mistaken uh, that record had stood for a, a couple of decades had it not uh 3 okay <laughs> uh yeah it was uh,
1: 1985 wow. so it was a 32 year old record and and I did talk to uh, Steve Bellboni a couple of times uh leading up to leading up to the Moose breaking the record and uh, he knew something was happening. He, had, he, he was a scout. He's a scout for the Giants right now. He knew something was happening because his phone kept ringing and people kept telling him. And he wasn't really, you know, following it per se by himself, but uh, he had enough phone calls that he, he knew that uh, Moose was getting close. And you know, he said several times to me that he's, he was very surprised that the record lasted that long. Uh, but of course, you know, Coffin Stadium is, is, you know, the biggest ballpark in the league, and uh, it's a very tough homer park. So. Uh, But he thought, you know, maybe a guy like Bo Jackson or something like that was going to break the record. That never happened. So, you know, getting Moose, you know, I talked to Moose too, uh, you know, every day leading up to when he finally broke the record uh, in Toronto. And, and, you know, once he got to, you know, 36 and 35, he started thinking about it. He told me a little bit more than he had, you know, leading up to that. And I think uh, that's why he kind of slowed down a little bit uh, in September and, Uh, I think uh, as much as anything, when he finally did break the record, uh, it was a relief, and it's a record he's very proud of.
0: Yeah, no question. And like you said, Balboni's record had stood since uh, 1985, so 31 years until somebody came along and uh, broke that record. And is there any possibility whatsoever that Moose's record is going to stand for even half that long?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think there is, actually, uh, because uh, the Royals are going to go through a little bit of a transition period right Right. now. and. You know, Mike Moustakas might not be back. Eric Hosmer might not be back. So there's a couple of candidates. Uh, you know, maybe Salvador Perez down the line might be a candidate to break the record. Uh, you know, you just don't know what's coming up through the minor leagues in the next uh, two or three years. Uh, there, is, there are some power headers down there. But uh, like I said, it's, it's a tough ballpark because it's a big ballpark. You know, the ball doesn't carry there, you know, very often. Uh, the, the power alleys are so deep, uh, 4'10 to center. Uh, it's just a tough place to hit home runs. That's why they've, throughout the decades, have been designed to, to be a team with speed and, and play defense. And uh, that changed a little bit this year because they did get a little bit more power. But uh, I think uh, moving forward, I think you see them transition back to a little bit more speed and defense. And, so, yeah, maybe the, the record will stand pretty long.
0: Yeah, and he could have as as nice of a run as Steve Balboni had through the 80s, the blue, 90s. Yeah, yeah and uh, in 2000s up till 2017. And, uh, Jeffrey, you mentioned uh, that, you know, Moustakis and uh, Escobar and Hosburn company, a lot of these guys are not going to be back in 2018 after a remarkable run which produced uh, two pennants and nearly uh, two world titles. They got the one in uh, in 2015. Take us through that moment where uh, you know all four or five guys uh, kind of huddled uh, on the infield, and they were given a great send off by the great fans at Kauffman Stadium. That had to have been highly emotional.
1: Yeah, it really was. That was a special moment. Uh, the, the four, the core four, there uh, just huddling uh, right behind the pitcher's mound, and uh, they had a special ceremony post game for them too, and that was you know, that was very emotional, and uh, I think most of them held it together until they started seeing the, the montage of, of replays uh, throughout their career, and uh, I remember watching uh, Haas grab Moose and the two of them hug, and, you know, you could see close up that uh, they were they were crying. I mean, it's uh, it's possibly the end of, of this core playing together. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know uh, if any of them, all of them, none of them <laughs> will be back, so it's a it's, uh, It's good to be. It was an emotional time then, and and, uh, uh, I think they recognize the fact that you know it it might be you know the end of an era for them, and uh, they look back at all they accomplished, and it was quite a bit that they accomplished. So, uh, but you know, all four of them told me later, and we should throw Jason Vargas in there too, um, who was here for the last four years, and uh, they just don't know what the future is. You know, they want to be back, but they just don't know.
0: Yeah, it's tough. And, you know, the one thing that strikes me is that, you know, these guys, as as bittersweet and as emotional as as this is for them, they are able to to walk away from this if that is indeed what ends up happening, you know, with a ring and with two pennants and with bringing all this success to Kansas City. Because, I mean, just look at this postseason with the teams that have had their hearts broken. I mean, the, the yeah. Indians, everybody thought that, you know, this was the year they finally snapped that you know, that 69-year drought without a world title, that's not going to happen. Uh, look at the Nationals. They still can't get out of the division series. So there is so much unpredictability in the postseason. And fortunately for the Royals, I mean, yes, they had the heartbreak in 2014, losing game seven, but they did bring a ring to Kansas City for the first time in 30 years. And I would think that, you know, to, to have had that success, which you can never take for granted, uh, has got to make this a little easier to swallow uh, if indeed that core is broken up.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I, they'll never forget the parade, and I, I don't think I'll ever forget it either. You know, there were estimates of anywhere from, you know, 300 to 800,000 people jammed in downtown Kansas City. It was just a complete sea of blue. And you're right. You look at the the heartbreak that the Nationals just went through last night, and the Indians the night before, and, and they're not going to have parades. They won't experience that. And uh, this core group worked very hard. Um, and came together as a group, and and they got there, like they got to the promised land, and uh, and they pulled it off. So that that will never be able to take, be taken away from them.
0: Absolutely. And one thing I want to get your opinion on is, you know, in my mind, I think that this Royals team, when they made their run in 2014 and 2015, they were the team that set the blueprint that so many other teams follow now yep. in terms of. Building your bullpen and riding a dominant bullpen, especially in the postseason, is that how you look at this Royals team? Is that going to be part of their legacy?
1: Absolutely. That that was, uh, and they did it more for economic reasons than anything else, True. because it was a lot cheaper to, to put together a, a shutdown bullpen than to go out and spend twenty million dollars on, on a quality, you know, a top-flight starter. Uh, the rotation back in both of those years was not anywhere near elite. But, you know, they put, you know, Dayton Dayton Moore and his staff put together a shutdown bullpen. You know, in 15, it was just crazy. I mean, they had Ryan, you know, speaking of the Nationals, they had Ryan Madsen Mm -hmm. and the Cubs. They had Wade Davis, they had Holland, uh, they had Luke Hochever. Danny Duffy at the time was, you know, part of a bullpen. Um, It it was just an absolute shutdown bullpen where they could bring in guys who just threw fire starting in the the fifth or sixth inning, and uh, if they had a lead by then, it was checkmate. It was game over, and I do think that's the way the game has evolved, and I think that's the way it will keep evolving in the future.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And the, and the Royals were the team, like you said. Maybe the, the reasons were different, but the the result was the same in terms of getting that monster back into that bullpen, and so many teams mimic that now. And uh, that's that's what the game has become, and a, and a hat tip to the Royals for the team that set that blueprint. Uh, Jeffrey, before we let you go, there's one kind of quirky moment on here I want you to kind of uh, elaborate on. It was back on May 30th. The Royals beat the Tigers one nothing. Eric Scoglin <laughs> Made his big league debut, and he had something of the of a of a hat tip for the ages when he got taken out of the game in the seventh inning. Can you kind of bring us through that?
1: I, I it, it has to be one of my favorite moments of the season because it was so unique. It's so quirky to have a rookie who uh, had just thrown whatever it was six and a third shutout innings against you know the Tigers, and uh, in his major league debut, and and he came to the dugout, and uh, it was a pretty decent crowd that night, and. He turned and, and just did a pirouette around, you know, and saluted every single section of the stadium, like, like he was George Brett, and after 30 years, he was retiring <laughs> from the Royals or something. And here was this, you know, young kid doing that, and we all just kind of chuckled in the in the press box. And it's it's still one of my favorite moments. I, I I'm, I'm not sure why he quite did that, but I think he just wanted to, you know, pay tribute to the fans. But it just struck me as like is he saluting the fans or is he retiring and we'll never see him again I don't know but it, it just took forever for that to unfold and uh, it was it was definitely one of the one of the uh, more interesting moments of the year.
0: And it put a smile on everybody's face. It was such a breath of fresh air, and uh, it was it was so great to see. And uh, hopefully big things are ahead for him in 2018 and beyond. That's a good place to wrap this one up. Jeffrey Flanagan, our Royals reporter. Uh, we thank you for the time, as always. We'll do it again soon. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Kansas City Royals.